This is an Area Code podcast. Hi, I'm Amy Simmons. And I'm Crispin Mayfield. And welcome to the Attached to the Invisible podcast. Amy, I'm glad that we are recording again after it's been a while. Um, yeah. <laughs> Back and better than ever. Right. Maybe yeah. we're going to find out. <laughs> right. I've been playing it off like it's been intentional, but it was more just like, it wasn't not, it was just that there were other priorities that came up. So um, Yeah, the world you know. has been busy. Right, being trash and being revolutionary, and mm-hmm. that has kept us busy with right. probably in some ways being trash and in some ways being revolutionary. Mm-hmm. It depends on the day, but right, exactly, yeah. Which actually leads into I was I started telling you just a few minutes ago about this thing, and then I was like, I'm going to save this for the podcast. Yeah, because, tell the people. Right, so um, uh, our church, Cascade Church in Portland, my church. Um, uh, has done a really great job. Um, I think like consistently over time, um, having a diversity of speakers, but, um, in the recent months since George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmed Aubrey's deaths, um, have done a, we've done a really great, the leadership, I'm not on the leadership, so I'm not congratulating myself, done a great job of bringing people in to speak. Um, and yesterday, um, I got to interview an EFT therapist, um, which is an attachment-based therapy. Um, and basically he looked at like, we have this um, in, cup, in EFT couples therapy. Sometimes couples are like- What, em- what does EFT stand for, Chris? Thank you. Emotionally focused therapy. Um, and so um, in this model, like we'll have couples where it's like, I, we're making progress, we're going along, and then we get stuck. And that stuck point sometimes is like there's been this injury in the relationship that really needs to be addressed. We can't just keep moving forward. Like we need to go back and we need to address this thing that happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and this obviously comes up with things like affairs, um, but it can also come up with like my dad was dying in the hospital. I asked you to come and you said, I'll come after all my meetings. And in that moment, like, I realized like I'm on my own here and I sort of had to shut off my heart from you. Mm-hmm. And as much as we're doing, you know, this work together, like we need to actually go back and address this wound before we can yeah. move forward. Yeah. And so um, this guy, Dr. James Hawkins, um, he and uh, another uh, therapist, Ryan Reyna, a black dude and a white dude have been talking about like, what might this model look like for, um, race in America Mm. and the wounds um, that we have in communities and like, what's the cycle that comes up um, and how is it like, are we perceiving each other as threats um, and how do we amend this, um, amend this like attachment within our like community. Um, So it was really, I was blown away um, and I would totally, it's online. I'll put a link to it in the show notes, but it was really cool. Uh, to see like attachment at work talking about racism in the U S because I think it's important, obviously. Obviously. Yeah. 
That's really cool. I hadn't ever thought about um, emotionally focused therapy as something to be extended past a couple's dynamics. It's like a really effective couple's therapy. I have a good Mm -hmm. friend um, who is an emotionally focused therapist with couples. Maybe that's how you say that. Um, Mm -hmm. And he's talked really powerfully about how effective it is um, and the change that he sees. And I've heard really fantastic things as a person who's not part of a couple and it is therefore not in couples therapy. Mm -hmm. Pretty clean line. Um, I'm not as familiar with it. Um, It's not the focus of my work, but it's really interesting to think about just sort of applying. And this is, I think, a a cool, I don't even want to call it a fad, but um, sort of a movement of psychological Mm -hmm. like theory and practice is to Mm -hmm. apply it to broader like community aspects. So for instance, Mm -hmm. talking about um, PTSD as something that can happen on a communal level versus just an interpersonal level. Mm -hmm. Um, has been something that's been more broadly spoken about. And so thinking about attachment in that way um, as well is a really fascinating and powerful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, What's great about attachment, what's great about emotionally focused therapy um, is that it's a systems based model. Yeah. Um, And so in that way it is, it can be extended. You can also do families, you can do uh, individual therapy with it. Um, but yeah, it's it's really cool to to see that, and um, yeah, just want to let you know about that. We are going to talk about worship music. This was your idea. Ooh, yeah, uh, to, <laughs> right. This one, by my idea, what Crispin means is that I sent him a text message one day. <laughs> Yeah, that was like, hey, so I was listening to this song I really like, which I actually have on my list Mm -hmm. um, because I love this song and I still love it. Um, Mm -hmm. But realizing like, oh, this has some problems, though, huh? (laughs) Right. Yeah. And uh, yeah, I've I've loved this for a long time, like looking at Christian music and attachment. I haven't looked at worship music that much. I've looked at a lot of like Christian hardcore, as we've talked about before. (laughs) Um, but yeah, I'm excited to jump in because there are these relationship dynamics, um, that, you know, show up and they definitely, I, uh, there's this, uh, guy that I like Nick page, uh, from the mid faith, uh, crisis mid faith podcast. Anyway, okay, he basically says like, we don't teach lies in the church, but we sing them. Um, and I'm like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So some context for me on this that I feel like was really important. So I am, um, a worship pastor's kid. Uh, my dad was our worship pastor growing up. Um, and he, if I was taught any theology really clearly, like really like sort of assertively and clearly, it was, um, a narrative of what worship music is like appropriate to be. Right. Um, and I've heard my dad talk about all sorts of things. Bless the man's soul. Um, he's a music aficionado. He was before he became a Christian. He has been afterwards. Um, I'm very thankful for the fact. I mean, I always joke. Um, I joke about a thing that's not a joke, which is that we weren't allowed to listen to like Christian music in my house growing up. Uh-huh. Like, we, like we, my dad was a worship pastor and we were not allowed to listen to Christian music because it was bad. That was the reason we were given. Um, <laughs> and there's sort of a quality standard in the Simmons household that um, it never seemed to be able to meet. I got a Switchfoot album when I was like 14 and my dad was like, this is okay enough for me to allow you to listen to it. Uh-huh. Um, 
<laughs> and so, oh for me, like the con- and and also at the same time, right? It's like those are funny and also ridiculous things that are right. true. And at the well, same yeah. time, for me, what my favorite memories from being a kid, like my safest, happiest, most joyful moments, were my dad like playing his guitar and singing, right? And a, that wasn't always Christian music. There were all sorts of things, but sometimes it was him just like practicing for worship practice in the morning. Um, so I've always found. I was excited to do this because for me, uh, worship music is 80% of my expression of relationship with God, right? It is, it is such a huge portion of my spiritual life when I feel like F all of this, um, I can always come back Hmm. to like listening to, um, in a musical form, right? I've tried like list, like listening to the Bible, for example, and it does not work in the same way. It is, it is only in song that mm. I can experience this. Like I feel God here with me in this powerful way, mm-hmm. um, which yeah. yeah, is really interesting. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious, like what does this mean then for his worship leading? Yeah. So I, I was, so this was interesting. Cause I was like, Crispin was like, choose, one good song and one bad song. I chose three of each, but it's fine. We don't have to talk about all of them. (laughs) But that's how many I had immediately. Um, And none of them are from my childhood because he was pretty strict about um, good theology. He really cared about that. And in my father's opinion, what that meant was worship music should never be about you. Um, Mm. And I hold that value still, right? I... Mm -hmm. um, had to look for things that maybe included something about me because so and you'll you'll hear when you listen uh uh, when we look over these that a lot of my favorite or most peaceful worship songs are just sort of declaratory um Mm. about who god is Mm. um and do not make mention of self uh and that was a big thing that was really thematic for my dad Huh. He didn't think they should be he, his favorite um, episode of television. Talk about Carl a lot today. Uh, his favorite episode of television is there's an episode of South Park uh, yeah. where it's a unique worship pastor. Uh, there's an episode of South Park where they um, decide that they're going to be like popular Christian musicians. And so they just like change like baby in a bunch of popular love songs to Jesus. Uh-huh. And so there's some of them that are like really, obviously it's like really outrageous because some of them are like, you know, talking about doing sex acts with Jesus, you know? Uh-huh. Um, right. I sound so mature. Sex acts. <laughs> uh- <laughs> but um, that was, he thinks it's hilarious. Cause he's like, that's so real. Uh- <laughs> uh-huh. Cause it's like, he could not handle. And this was like, we moved to Colorado. I think I've talked about this before. We moved to Colorado when I was a teenager. Um, and it was the only time in my life I'd ever gone church shopping. Cause my dad has just always been one of our pastors. And this was a huge, Thing. It's like, what is the worship at this place? And is it theologically sound? Is it good? Mm. Is it like objectively good music? And is it mm-hmm. theologically sound? We had so many conversations about it. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I like before we even get into like these songs, like I, it's that's like an interesting thing to think about. Like, is it good to have like, what's the impact of having songs that are about us and songs that are about God? Um, cause that could go a lot of different directions. I really like whether it's a sermon or a song, 
uh, songs that are about God's attributes, I think are yeah. like really good. Like I really enjoy that. Um, and that actually yes. was when we met uh, at the church that we did, that was something that I noticed uh, Eric would do a lot is like, it's not really about you and you need to do this. You need to do that. But it was more like, this is what God does. Like God cares for like those that are oppressed. God like is compassionate, like, God, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I think that's great. I don't like worship songs that are like, God is amazing. And we're going to tell you how amazing you are uh, because like you need us to tell you that you're amazing. Uh, Yeah. That's such an interesting line in worship music. And just to like remind everyone and clarify, we're talking very specifically about like worship songs, right. mm -hmm. Um, And not about like CCM or Christian music. Maybe Mm -hmm. we'll do a conversation on that too. Cause that's a whole other ball game. Holy moly um (laughs) but yeah that's that's a really interesting thing because i agree like i've always been really drawn to um i think the oh they're called the sing something um i'm not good at worship bands names Uh because that's not the person i am um but they have a song uh that's just basically psalm 42 right Mm -hmm. it was one of my favorites for a really long time and they re they rewrote it sing team there we go um and they rewrote it a little bit you know and so there's some things in there um but that has always been something to me of like okay how much does it if it has me in it it needs to sound as much like a psalm as possible but mostly right what i enjoy and what i feel safe in right for Mm -hmm. me where i feel safe with god is in like naming the safety of god right (laughs) just like Mm -hmm. really focusing all of that energy on that Um, it feels very meditative to me um Mm -hmm. that's i actually have a song on my list um that is it's a song that I've used as a meditation for a really long time, um, which mm. is actually one of my more like self-focused um, songs. It's more about like, how do we respond to that character and kind mm-hmm. of meditating on like, I just, just be here, you know, uh-huh. basically. Right. Yeah. Um, which feels very attachment to me. Right. Mm-hmm. Just like the idea of being like, just being right here in the, the safety and love and grace that is God right Mm -hmm. not that we want to be god not that we like need god to teach us more about or draw us more into or change us so that we can fit into but just is like who Mm -hmm. just is god um yeah those have always been some of my favorites and that's straight that's straight out of the lips of carl simmons Mm -hmm. is that messaging (laughs) yeah yeah so now i'm curious like what are uh should we start with the uh let's start with the bad yeah, hear. then we can end on a on a nice note. Exactly right. Yeah. So the one that I have up immediately is the song "Lead Me to the Cross," um, mm. which has some lovely things in it. I'd like to be clear mm-hmm. that most all of these worship songs were chosen for, because they're songs that I really loved at some point in time, uh-huh. um, and maybe even still do on some level. Um, but there are some pretty. Um, aggressive points in here that are are this is okay for me let me let me read you just sort of this um refrain from this song okay Okay? it says lead me to the cross where your love poured out great Uh bring me to my knees lord lay me down rid me of myself Mm. Um, and there's a lot of that in here and there's a lot of that in a lot of worship songs Uh uh-huh 
Which is, I just, I made a note on this song that just has the name of the song that says aggressive. Um, <laughs> because the truth is that <laughs> it is, um, I think that it is inherently against the heart of God to ever say that I need to be less existent. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a lot of that messaging in the church period, but mm-hmm. a lot in worship music. Mm-hmm. Worship music loves a refrain about how I need to be changed or I need to be purified or like even this message, right? This is a huge heresy in my opinion. Rid me of myself mm-hmm. um, is a hugely problematic. Um, your parent would never ever in a million years a healthy parent would never say there needs to be less of you and more of me right Right? Mm -hmm. parents don't be like would you just like they might do that with siblings right that's like a classic like parent be like just act more like your brother but Uh have you ever heard a parent you respected go like just be more like me (laughs) right no no bonkers right yeah no it totally it leads like all the the undercurrent of a lot of this i think is shame right like there's something fundamentally broken with me so i need to either change or i need to stop existing it's sort of like uh it's sort of like we want to be cleansed right but it's Mm -hmm. like you have a magic eraser and it's like you get the skin off but then it like starts taking off the paint like right it's like it goes from like i want to change to like i won't need to change myself Mm -hmm. and i think it like kind of like goes into like some self-loathing or self-hatred yes and really lends itself well to that i remember being a teenager and being like god why can't i stop sinning i'm terrible i'm terrible and then i had all this great worship music and christian music that's like yeah you are terrible and you should stop existing Mm-hmm. Um, this reminds me of the song that is maybe just called More of You and Less of Me. Um, that is just, right? It's like, that's the whole premise, right? Is, oh yeah, oh, this is this is bringing back the feels, mm-hmm. right? Um, that is a worship song called, called More of You and Less of Me, right? And that's just the refrain, right? It, like, there's nothing mm-hmm. like your glory falling on me, more of you, less of me, right? Right. Um, I'm only satisfied in you. Reach in my heart, make it new. Right. Mm-hmm. More of you, less of me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that like so there is this healing component where God wants to heal us, um, and is healing us. Fantastic. <laughs> right. But um, and I think that's like a lot of what is going on, like what Paul talks about, and it, the Bible does talk about a new heart. But I think what that means is like this sense of like healing, right? And it doesn't mean like become a different person or like that, like um, I've talked before about the uh, the like makeover boyfriend sort of thing, right? Like God being like, well, I don't really like you as you are, but you like have a lot of potential, you know? Yeah. Yep. Well, and the difference between <laughs> between a heart transplant and like, you know, breast implants, right? Is kind of how I think about it, right? Of like, there are things that are going to kill you. And mm-hmm. God is really interested in you having life, mm-hmm. right? What God, yeah. I do not think, gives one hoot about is us being prettier. Uh-huh. <laughs> you right. know, that's my, that's my metaphor. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. 
Right. Well, I was thinking when you think about heart, actually like heart in, so, I mean, that's one thing like in, in current society, heart is like who you are at your core. And so to say like, you need, like you have a dirty heart is something we hear a lot. Right. Um, And this idea of like your heart needs to be completely changed or like taken out or removed is like the core of who you are is wrong. Um, And what I was always told growing up is like, you might look good on the outside, but like underneath it all, you're horrible. And I think like the truth is it's the opposite where it's like, you might look bad on the outside and you might have these behaviors that like hurt yourself and hurt others. Right. That's not okay. Mm-hmm. But like under it, you are made in the Imago day. Like you're made in the image of God and you are a child of God underneath it all. And like, yes. that's, that's the, that's the core of who you are. And what I think that this does a lot of times is it damages our relationship to grace right? Because it defines Mm -hmm. our relationship to grace as something that is necessary due to the fact that I remember the first time uh, due to the fact that we're like broken and dirty and awful, right? So Mm -hmm. we need grace, which like, don't get me, don't catch me in a place where you think I'm saying we don't need grace. (laughs) Uh But I remember the first time I heard someone talk about being gracious to someone who had like lost a parent. And it was really confusing to me because I was like, they didn't do anything wrong. Why are we being gracious to them? Uh huh. Because it was so ingrained in the message that I had gotten that grace is for you being bad, right? Mm -hmm. Whereas actually, like, grace is much more defined in being like loving and safe and soft with people who are struggling. Mm -hmm. No value judgment, right? (laughs) Like. Uh-huh. No, because of your own sins or because of something else. It doesn't matter, right? That's right. That's not that's not where grace lives, is not mm-hmm. in my screw-ups fundamentally. Right. And right. I that moment of being like, oh, mm-hmm. that word means something different than I thought it did. <laughs> right. Yeah. That actually ties together. Can we jump into into one of my songs that actually oh. fit in both categories? Ooh. Yes. Um, so I want to talk about this song, Reckless Love. Oh, yeah. that's That almost made it onto my list. So uh-huh. I'm glad I right. And I love it and I hate it. And mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll talk about the, the bad part of it. Um, is It says... Uh, oh, talking about God's love. Mm-hmm. Um, it says, I couldn't earn it. I don't deserve it still you give yourself away yeah and that idea of like not deserving god's love Mm -hmm. i think that doesn't compute with a loving god like yep right like how can you if god loves you how can you say i don't deserve love yeah it's like saying like god made him god is making a mistake in loving you yes Right. And it actually speaks to like your lovability being dependent on your behavior rather than who you are as someone created by God. Yeah. It's, it's a classic case of asking the wrong question, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, Oh, the, the conversation of deserve just doesn't belong here. Right. Right. Um, And honestly, if we're being really honest, I don't think the conversation of deserve belongs most places. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm having a hard time thinking of a place I think it belongs. Um, (laughs) That's me, though. Um, 
but yeah how um we we really like that narrative and it's almost like it's uh like softball shame right mm-hmm. uh it's a gentler version of the like i'm just so broken and awful i think we we realized that that wasn't helpful and then we moved towards this narrative i'm not sure um, if we realized that yet <laughs> right i feel like you're right you're right i shouldn't claim we've realized anything realistically and who I'm is we who am i, I saying mean, that that being said i mean yeah who is we and you know <laughs> i've been spending my days uh working on a manuscript and uh and going through all the like john piper blogs um where he says things like god finds us utterly displeasing when it comes to relationship with him but he delights when we make every Yeah, every step of change we make to look more like Jesus, that he delights in, but he doesn't delight in us, which goes back to what we were talking about before. Like, I don't really like you, but the more that you look like me, you know, that that's like, I like that. that. Right, yeah. I'm just like... narcissistic. (laughs) Well, you know what's wild is that if I said that to, to John Piper, to someone who holds theology similar to John Piper is like, you're painting God as a narcissist. They would probably tell me that God deserves to be a narcissist because God is God. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, in all right. likelihood, the argument that it's like, well, narcissist is like, well, being a narcissist about having a God complex, God can't have a God complex. <laughs> right. Which touche, but also right. missing the point. Um, yeah. And I think it really misses this idea that like God created us. And God is like restoring us to who we are, right? And healing us. He's not creating us into someone else. Someone, you know, it's not like we're going to be a bunch of Jesus clones, which is like what we're told, right? Like you need to look like Jesus anyway. um, And we'll come back around to reckless love, uh, you know, in the, in the good parts. Um, Can I share, can I share another one of mine that, uh i don't like so (laughs) yes uh i I just feel like i have to give it a caveat because i really like rich mullins oh i do love rich mullins right and what you gotta say about rich and (laughs) and like so much of his music is really great and then he wrote awesome god oh Um, (laughs) yeah okay well that's that's a fair hit um right um, I because he wrote awesome God, right? It's and it's character, right? It really is because it's like there's this threat, there's this implicit threat in the song. <laughs> Maybe not implicit, <laughs> no, like actually, like because he yeah. says like there, you know, he rolls up his sleeves, he ain't just putting on the ritz. There's thunder in his footsteps and lightning in his fists. And the Lord wasn't joking when he kicked him out of Eden. It wasn't for no reason that he shed his blood. His return is very close. So you'd better be believing that our God is an awesome God. That's a, that's like a literal threat. And I don't think that God works through coercion. And there are other, um, I love, I love Rich Mullins um, very deeply. I think he's got some of, some of the most like honest Mm -hmm. worship music that I've ever heard. Um, but what is the song? Um, hard to get, I think, mm. is beautiful, and also I think has has some of these things in here, right? Uh-huh. Um, certainly also has has some moments because the truth is that like 
I mean, every, not everyone, actually, because some of the people that I'm going to be talking about, or at least one notably of the people that I'm going to talk about when we get to good worship music is not an American. Um, but a lot of this, right, is is coming out of American evangelicalism. Um, mm-hmm. And so even though I think Rich Mullins is a, a saint um, and is, I sort of have like a short list of people who I think like lived on earth, but I'm like pretty confident we're actually like celestial beings. Mm-hmm. Um, Rich Mullins is on that list of like, I'm pretty sure though, like, Mm-hmm. The Bible has some stuff about like angels walking among us, and I'm like, I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> all that that's sad. Um, there's still it's it's just interesting to think about. Um, Hard to get is a good. Anybody who hasn't listened to uh, Hard to Get by Rich Mullins should definitely mm-hmm. listen to it because it is talk about a song that like is really honest about like relationality with God, right? And talking mm-hmm. about kind of this like almost like romantic metaphor, right? When you talk mm-hmm. about like playing hard to get, uh, it is wonderful mm-hmm. um but i remember li- i was listening to it the other day and, and there was there's something in there i won't bother us with it now but that it was like oh yeah uh-huh. that's that's a little that's a little not right on the nose man <laughs> right yeah so rich we we won't hold it against you we won't right. we won't you're you're still a a delightful person wherever right. you are, where you may be. Um, that's a whole other conversation is where do people right. go? But, yeah. uh, we're not getting well, into that. I mean, he says that, that where I am there, you may also be one of his songs, right? That's true. Uh, yeah. What else do you got? Okay. So then I have the one that I texted Crispin about. So I would like to preface this with, this is actually currently one of my absolute favorite mm. worship songs because I, um, it goes, and what's interesting is it flies in the face of, of what I was saying earlier, where I like worship songs that aren't about me, um, mm-hmm. is Make Room by Jonathan McReynolds, um, mm-hmm. which is, a, the beginning of it says, I find space for what I treasure, I make room for what I want, I choose my priorities, and Jesus, you're my number one. And he keeps coming back to that idea throughout the song, and I, I think that that's fantastic. Like, I really mm-hmm. like the idea of, like, spirituality is like you like you you choose what it it almost in a weird way it feels very non-judgmental to me to be Mm. like i prioritize what i want to prioritize Mm -hmm. and i'm gonna prioritize you god you know it's like Uh oh that's kind of nice but then it gets into so i will make room for two i will prepare for two okay that's fine so that you don't feel that you can't live here please live in me and that is where I take a major issue with this song. Um, again, I love the idea of, in- of bringing intentionality to our spirituality. I think mm-hmm. um, in the more like sort of progressive, grace-focused, um, universalist ideologies that I take on, um, it's easy to lose the idea of being intentional in our relationship with the divine. And so that's something I really love about this, mm-hmm. but I have a, a wildly large, enormous issue, Mr. McReynolds, um, with the idea that, that anything I do could keep God from me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a lot of, and this is really the only thing in this song. I like, I like pretty much all the rest of it, but he, he, that's part of the chorus. Right. So we keep coming uh-huh. back to that. Right. Um, yeah. yeah. It seems really problematic when we invite yeah. the, invite just the idea of inviting god i think can be problematic and i think talking in terms of like distance right and that and again like this idea of like if i don't set a 
set a table for two that you won't show up. Yeah. What's really interesting is that I feel like he kind of contradicts himself with that theology at the end of the song because there's this whole refrain and I've heard people fill it in with all sorts of things, but it's like, my will, you can move that over. My Mm -hmm. money, you can move that. And just the idea Mm -hmm. that's like, well, God can come in and do whatever God wants. Um, Mm -hmm. (laughs) So it sort of contradicts itself in that Uh um, of like, whatever you're doing to try and keep God out, that's God's going to move that right on over to get to you. You know, it's like, I love that. Um, Yeah. But th- this little line that just keeps getting repeated, that, that is, yeah, it's really um, the idea that we could hurt God's feelings. Mm-hmm. That, we, that, that we have any power to affect God's feelings in a way that would keep them from us mm-hmm. um, is bonkers to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Total and total agreement, which uh, fits with um, reckless love, which we'll come back to. Which we'll come <laughs> yes. back to. Right. We'll just keep referencing that song no one forget we're gonna come back to reckless love right um those were my those are my well i also had um but this is on a similar note i had from the inside out mm. but i think a hill song mm-hmm. old, some old school hill song united um and it just like starts out so so ready, right? Which is like uh-huh. a thousand times I failed, still your mercy remains. Should I stumble again? I'm caught in your grace, right? We love this, right? Yeah. I'll screw up. You're gonna be cool about it. Uh-huh. Um, but then it has this line once again: the art of losing myself, right, in bringing mm-hmm. you praise. The idea that God is glorified in us being less existent mm-hmm. versus the what I would say is the much more real. Um, narrative that that God is most glorified in us fully existing, right? Mm-hmm. God created us. <laughs> right, yeah. We were, we were created um, and God takes joy and pleasure in our existence, so it's actually in the, in the fullness of who we are that mm-hmm. God has brought the most pla- praise and glory. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right. It reminds me of this book um, uh, called Paul and the Person by Susan Eastman came out a couple of years ago. Um, and it's super nerdy and I skip some of the chapters. Uh, but basically she was looking at like, what does it mean? What, when Paul talks about self, what is he talking about? And he, uh, she basically says like, Paul talks about this system of death that we exist in. Right. Um, and like Romans, like sin starts out as individual choices, but by like chapter five, um, Paul is referring to sin in this way of this like person that exists in the world kind of personified system. Right. Um, And basically she makes the case like this idea of like who we are, we, we, we only know who we are because of who we've been told we are. Our only point of reference is the relationships that we have, which is very right. That's kind of the heart of attachment science. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in some sense, we change ourself when we change from being going from like you're unlovable, right? For example, to you are lovable. And that actually is like that would be like a change of self. And she kind of like talks about like that seems to, I mean, this is a very like 21st century psychology version of that. So we don't want to like, we know <laughs> that Paul is, you know, that's an ancient text, but there is this sense of, um, talking about dying to self like that's the self that existed in this you know we could say like traumatized view of self um and so you know it's like what i go through with clients when they come in and they tell me and they're like 
I'm lazy and I don't work hard and like all these things, this sense of self that has been um, put on them by other people. And then I think like in a healing relationship with God, God's like, you know, on some level, it doesn't matter if you're lazy, right? Like what matters is that you're loved um, and that's okay. And so I think like, as we think about the self stuff, like, I'm like, yeah, if that's what you mean, but I, I think it's the opposite sort of often is what we mean. Like you're supposed like JC Greer, um, JD Greer, uh, pastor of the current pastor of the Southern Baptist convention, um, mm-hmm. recently said, uh, it's a pretty sure sign that you've never met God. If you feel good about yourself, which means <laughs> that like a sign of getting close to God is you feel bad about yourself, which is problematic i've just been getting farther and farther (laughs) oh no right oh honey right sweet sweet baby what i was thinking about uh going thinking about uh next song so uh and this takes me to high school so i gotta tell you going like worship music takes like has this specific part in my story where i like when i was like 15 in China, missionary kid, we had a small house church, and there was this uh, family that came over that had spent a lot of time at the International House of Prayer, also known as IHOP, uh, easily confused with the breakfast chain. Um, and so it was this like really charismatic sort of thing. Um, and that was like where my first like charismatic experience. And so during the week I would like have these like CDs, like Hillsong and Daryl Evans and like play them in my room and try to have this like spiritual experience. Like I'd like lay on the floor and like do things to try to like feel God. And (laughs) right. It's just like 15 year old Crispin. Um, so and, so dramatic, right? So, so earnest, exactly. Which is exactly why it makes me think of this song because I want to talk about that song. This is the air I breathe. That's literally oh, what it's called, right? Yes, 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 yes. Dramatic yes. on so. I mean, it starts out right where it's just like this is the air I breathe multiple times, and then it ramps up to the chorus, which is, "I'm desperate for you. I'm lost without you." Yep. Right. Yep. Later to yep. inspire the song by Blink One Eighty Two. Not really, but, um, (laughs) but that's, I mean, that's the, the thing. And it's, I'm not judging whether this is good or bad. Yeah. But, uh, what the actual research, what, what some research has shown around attachment and spirituality, um, is that people that do these, um, if you do dramatic, um, kind of things to feel close to God and you do this, like, kind of big show in the same way that like anxiously anxious ambivalent people do to get attention it actually doesn't help you feel more secure which i thought was interesting that there's actually research on that but this anxiety doesn't make you feel less anxious right yeah exactly (laughs) and if it's like if i have to show up and do this big thing to get to feel close to god then that is going to fade over time and i got to make sure i do it next sunday yeah, I'm so glad you brought that one up because I had a few songs like that that I really de- that I debated, right? Because mm-hmm. of that, of like, I don't know that this is actually bad, but it also is like not the angle I want to be coming to my relationship with almost anyone from. Mm-hmm. 
No, I think there's more space for me to be like desperate for God than there is for me to be like desperate for another human person. I have more Mm -hmm. space for that. Um, I am not, despite probably most of the things that I've said on this podcast, a believer that our relationships with God should be like exactly like a healthy relationship with a person, right? Mm -hmm. Because God is still God and that's more complicated and broad and reverent. Um, Mm But, um, yeah, I kind of, I, I thought about that. Um, and was like, Oh yeah, I don't know. Um, so I think that brings up such a good point, right. Of, well, the thing about desperation is it doesn't breed security. Right. Right. Yeah. Again, if we do think about like a human, a human to human relationship, Mm -hmm. um, I was talking to some friends last night and one of them was one of the, they were a married couple and one of the husband was poking a little fun at the wife um, of saying that she sort of has this uh, perspective of like, I don't, I don't want to be without you, but I totally could be. Uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> which I was like, that's a silly thing to say to another person, but also it's like maybe a pretty healthy place to be in your marriage. Now I don't think I could exist without God. Mm-hmm. Um, but the idea that it's more focused on like the, the joy and the relationship than it is in the necessity, mm-hmm. um, I think brings us a lot of health. And I think for a lot of us who have done some unlearning and deconstruction and reconstruction of our faith, mm-hmm. I think we've found that. Right. And, and mm-hmm. you've talked about that a lot of like also in the reverse of having like any concept for the fact that God takes joy in us as well, that right. we're lovable and enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Um, so right. just kind of, it, it doesn't feel helpful if that's a battle that you're fighting, I guess. Right. Yeah, right? totally. Yeah. Bad, inherently bad theology. Cause again, it's like, Oh, I do think like if something's going really rough, I am desperate for God. And I don't think that that necessarily is a problem. Right. It's like, oh, I really right. need you to have my back here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, right. Yeah. It's during but, times yeah. of stress that it triggers our attachment system and we reach uh-huh. out to God. But Uh if that is like our everyday where it's like, I got to get desperate to get you close. Yes. That's not great. In in the um, like reciprocal anxiety of like, if I'm not desperate enough, then I'll lose you. Um, Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. I was just reading an Oswald Chambers quote again, doing lots of research uh, where he says something like, um, like, you know, when I come to God, I, I show him how much of a sinner I am, how terrible I am, because that triggers his pity on me and brings him close. And I was like, uh, I don't think so. Gross. Um, right. And actually, it's interesting you're you're saying that part because in that same research article about spirituality and attachment with God, they were saying that people with a secure attachment with God, that they can actually... Um, they reach out to God because they want to, because they like God, because they love God, not because they're so insecure that they, you know, kind of like that person that's like, well, you can't, you're not, you just go from relationship to relationship because you are afraid of being alone, not because you like the person you're with. Yep. Um, mm. Also, mm. you mentioned, uh, you know, the the one-to-one correlation and how, you know, like it's not, a, it's for one, it's not a one-to-one correlation. Yeah. Um, and things that we sing to God, you know, we shouldn't sing to other people and stuff. And I was thinking about that uh, Lauren Daigle song, uh, You Say I Am. Yeah. Right. And it's always funny. Like, and I, it actually goes back to what we were talking about in that Susan Eastman book where it's like, I am who you say I am. And that's good if God is saying you're lovable. It's not good if God is saying you're actually a piece of a dunghill 
a heap of sin that deserves eternal punishment. Also been reading some Charles Spurgeon. There you go. That sounds um, right. Right. And if God is saying that, like, that's not good. But anyway, but on the, it's just funny to hear that song on pop radio. Yes. Because, right. Because then you're like, yeah, this is not a healthy, uh, if people don't know this is a worship song because it's on pop radio. Yeah. <laughs> and I am who you say I am. Like, that's just really creepy. Because I do love that song, but only and explicitly in regards to my relationship with God. Um, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, that would be a really, well, and that's an interesting way to think about That was actually something Carl would bring up, mm. uh, is that that it would be so problematic, right? If this was right. the way we thought about, like, our, our lovers, like, oh, mm-hmm. my, what a, right. what a terrible um what a terrible and dangerous thing to think right. that another person's going to save you. <laughs> Gotta say that probably it's not the, it's probably not the most unhealthy thing on pop radio when it comes to like relationships. No. <laughs> well, listen, it could be if you're applying it to, I don't know. There's some wild stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. I don't know. <laughs> so, um, you're such a dad. <laughs> right, yeah. Well, because we have these these conversations. <laughs> we have a lot of conversations of like, why are they saying so many bad words? And I'm like, it's okay. I listen to a lot, a lot of anarchist hip-hop with my kids sometimes. Sure. sure. I'm like, they're saying bad words because police are killing Black men and there's no accountability. And that's okay. You're not allowed always- to say it. If that's a, not a reason to say bad words, then I'm out of ideas. Right. Um, and then but, but my hey, wife... But four-year-old, do not say that. Right. Then my wife is like, you can't do this anymore. So I'm like, okay, well, now I have to listen to silly pop music and everything else feels like... You know, like, anyway. Um, we'll go back <laughs> to the Taylor Swift. Not that she likes that, but I do. So I, <laughs> I just switch back and forth. Anarchist hip-hop, if not that... Taylor Swift. You're such an intriguing man. <laughs> I have a broad, broad uh, level of, of broad level, broad spectrum of, of music tastes. Of interest, yeah. I do want to talk about uh, Reckless Love. Oh, and I yeah. want to talk about, uh, so the song basically, like, um, it talks about how nothing stops God's love, right? So yeah. there's no shadow you won't light up, no mountain you won't climb up, um, no wall you won't kick down, um, chases me till I'm found, leaves the 99. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember, like, being, uh, uh, singing that song um, at Imago and being like, I know this does not fit the theology of the church, but this sounds like universalism to me. And I like that. And the, I like that. <laughs> right. And I think what's like really important about how this relates to attachment is that um, in fearful attachment, which is like a combination of avoidant and uh, ambivalent, um, where basically like, I really need closeness, but I also feel like I'm really bad. And so I can't get close, but I also feel like you're bad and you're not going to take care of me. If we come into the church with fearful attachment or if we have that with God, um, which happens a lot with uh, trauma survivors, uh, myself being one, Mm -hmm. um, I relate to this feeling of like, 
yeah, like I know that what it takes to be saved, but like, I feel like there's something wrong with me that means that like, I'm not going to actually be saved in the end. I'm going to be abandoned. Cause that's like what that attachment trauma says, Yeah, right. Is like, you're not lovable. And if I'm not lovable, one, I'm not worth sticking around for, and I'm just going to screw it up. And two, like, I'm not lovable. Therefore you're not going to help me. Yep. And so there's a lot of like hell anxiety that happens where it's like, well, if this is up to me, like I've been told enough times that there's something so broken about me that like, if there are people that go to hell, like I'm going to be one of those people. Mm. Um, And if God lets some people go to hell, I'm probably one of those people that he's going to let go to hell because I know that I'm not lovable. Like, other people and that a lot of that can be implicit um but i know that it's something that happens because in evangelicalism we say things like well like yeah it's not it's just about faith but then there are all these like ways of measuring faith right is it real faith yeah um do you feel bad enough is right one um (laughs) you know it's (laughs) Yeah, there, there's a lot there. You know, do you have the right theology? Do you have the right yeah. behavior? Yeah. Um, and so I really like this song because uh, it talks about kicking walls down. Um, actually, in the first three centuries of Christianity, there are all these pictures, um, like images of Jesus breaking into hell. Um, it's called the harrowing of hell, um, which was the early Christian idea of what Jesus did on uh holy saturday was jesus Mm -hmm. went into hell not just we would say like he went into hell possibly to take punishment what they said is he actually went in to get people um and i i think that like if this song is true if nothing can stop god from from loving us and nothing will separate us then that means that if we go to hell i'm gonna base my theology on a worship song uh (laughs) this also is is uh you know if you want to read uh the evangelical universalist there's a thick book on this song uh the idea of the song but basically like yeah like i i would want to think that like if i go to hell like you know maybe hell exists and maybe i go there that god would not be happy would Mm -hmm. not be satisfied with Mm -hmm. me staying there especially if we understand hell as separation eternal separation from god yeah so that's, that's why I like reckless love. That's a great reason to like reckless love. I'm going to come in hot, okay. uh, which is that. And, Cause I was like, Oh, this song's on my worship list. I bet this is bad. Cause the version that is on my worship list, or I know that it's like a Chris Tomlin song. And then I did a little research and found out it's not a Chris Tomlin song, which made me feel better. Um, which Wait, what is, do you have against Chris Tomlin? I just don't trust him. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's done anything that I know of, but I don't trust sort of any, like, um, just sort of inherently, I just don't trust, like, uh, famous people. Oh, yeah. I hear you. I mean... Um, Especially anyone who's famous for, like, worship music that creeps me out, and I just don't mm -hmm. trust him. Mm-hmm. This is a, this is a, and this is just fully me. I'm not expecting you to be there. This is just uh, sort of my inherent skepticism um, and, like, slightly anarchist, um, 
home setting as a child. Just don't trust people if they're too, if too many people like them. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, the song is actually by House Fires, and it's Good Good Father. And I was like, this comes in so aggressively <laughs> with the attachment stuff, actually. I was yes. like, I'm sure there's a problem with it. And it's like, oh, no, it is like nailing it, right? It's like... Mm talking about like you tell me that you're pleased and i'm never alone uh-huh. like you're a good good father that's who you are and i'm loved by you that's who i am mm-hmm. right it's like and we're yeah. like you know what we need before i say a word like there's none of the desperation right. there's just like god is good and it's like okay i can take some issues with like the gendered uh-huh. thing we could talk about that for a long time but we're not talking about that we're talking about attachment mm-hmm. um and the idea like Love so undeniable, I can hardly speak. Peace so un- unexplainable, I can hardly think. Right? The idea, mm-hmm. like, it just like echoes out this sense mm-hmm. of like safety and joy mm-hmm. and love inside of a, a relationship, inside of naming a relationship. And I just mm-hmm. love it. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, right? it makes me feel like warm and tingly, and like God is giving me a hug, and right. I like that. Right? Yeah. Uh, Right. I mean, it's, it's, it's like, there's the, like, there's this like desperation side of worship music. Mm -hmm. And then sort of the counterpart to that is like this God that just wants to be there for you and you don't have to get desperate to get his love. It's just so, it's so calm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Right. It really, it really feels like it evokes for me this idea of God as a secure base. Mm -hmm. Right. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, it really it really works on that level. <laughs> uh-huh. For a minute I was like I was like that song has a bad line in it, but I realized I was thinking of a different song. Mm. Um I was thinking of um I had it on my list and now I'm realizing oh, did you? Uh the um okay. Forever Rain by Hillsong, which is you oh, are yeah. good. You are good. You are good. You are good. And when I always think about good in me. Right. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, yeah. No, no. Which I always think of uh, the Good Christian Fun podcast. They talk about uh-huh. that song and they're talking about it and they're like, you know, that song that's like, you are good. You are good when there's nothing good in me. <laughs> Not great. Um, right, yeah. Yeah, it's interesting because I think um, we're kind of conditioned to assume that if we hear a song, because I had the same response, right? It was like, there's something bad in this song, mm-hmm. right? This is going to go on my bad list. Right. Um, and then I read through the lyrics and I was like, no, like, because mm. I think we're conditioned to think that if we talk about God's goodness, we're going to have to talk about our badness, mm-hmm. right? And this song right. actually does a fantastic job of stepping outside of that, right? And mm-hmm. even saying like, inherent to who you are is the fact that you're like loved and safe and God takes pleasure in you. Like that's mm-hmm. in the first, that's in the first uh, verse is that God takes pleasure in you. Right. Uh, how delightful, but we're so conditioned to be like, if we're talking about God being good, we're going to talk about me being bad. Cause it's in so much of this stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that earlier. Cause I think all that happens so much because, it, because it's poetry and there's this like parallelism. Right. But I like in yeah. reckless love, which we're going to keep coming back to apparently says like, there's no shadow you won't light up. Yeah. And a lot of times there's this, 
uh, juxtaposition of like God is light and we're in darkness. Um, But I love this idea of, um, I don't know if this is from the Bible or just me without you lyrics, but there's this line (laughs) uh, in this me without you song that I think I've seen in the Bible, but it says uh, our darkest nights are days to you. Mm. And I love that picture of like, Rather than like God is light and we're dark, it's more like God is with us in the dark and he's not a, yeah. he's not scared. He's not scared yeah. away by our yeah. darkness. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I like that part. I you're talking about feeling peaceful and calm. Uh, yeah. a song that came up for me is uh Arms of Love, Oldie oh. but a goodie, you know, like yeah. uh goes like in your arms of love, holding me close, holding me still. Oh yeah, this is some high school worship when I went to a vineyard church for a hot second. Uh huh. Yeah. Sorry. Go right. On. <laughs> yeah. Um. I think it came out. I don't because this is what I remember is there was this cutlass. <laughs> I think cutlass did it. Sorry. I think that it's okay. Ninety six uh, uh, yeah. was when it came. Oh nine. No, that's REM. Uh, ninety six. Uh. It came out. And so when I was in elementary school, so this must have been between 96 and 99, there was this uh, radio show that ended with that song every time. It was this like really calm. And so I would like turn it on like right, like before like seven o'clock and just like listen to that song. And it just made me feel so calm because it's talking about like, you know, I love that. I mean, that's what it going back to that, like secure base, right? Like we need to know that we have this divine parent that's just like going to hold us, that's going to hold us close and still. And we really need, uh, you know, a picture of that. We don't need pictures of God rolling up his sleeves um, and waiting to like stomp us. Um, What's fun is that when you first said arms of love, my mind jumped to leaning on the everlasting arms, Mm -hmm. um, which I actually think is probably pretty good. Um, in terms of this stuff, but is in so many horror movies at this point. It was in Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and now oh. it's just like been in everything. So it's just like so spooky. At this <laughs> I don't watch but horror I, movies. I but... was going to tell you, I was going to be like, oh no, Crispin, but actually, right. that's not what we're talking about. But actually, um, uh, leaning on the everlasting arms is about being like secure, securing mm-hmm. God's arms. So it's pretty, it's pretty good. Right? Yeah, safe and secure. Um, Safe and secure from all alarms. It's right. a great song. I still love it, um, uh-huh. but I always feel spooky if I sing it. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, the other one I wanted to talk about is, um, which is the song that I was like, oh, this is another song that was covered by somebody and often i think it's oh it gets credited to leland a lot but is not by leland mm. um it is by a woman named sanash i hope i'm pronouncing that right she's a nigerian okay. artist mm. um and it is i don't know if i said it was called Waymaker. um and I've what i really like about this song i feel like this song for me kind of speaks more to god's like maternal nature mm-hmm. or maybe at least what i like I hope to glean from God's maternal nature, right? Um, Because it just starts out being like, you're here, 
you're moving, right? You're here, you're moving in our midst. I worship you, I worship you, right? You're working, I worship you, I worship you. And it kind of repeats that for a while. And then it gets into the like, just this is who you are, right? Um, like you're a way maker, you're a miracle worker, you're a promise keeper, you're light in the darkness, right? Um, and I just, for me, it speaks, and maybe this is, there's something sexist about the fact that this feels like, um, the maternal nature of God to me is the idea that like, you're the one making it happen and you're consistent. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that have, having the idea of waymaker and promise keeper in that same, like you're going to make a way through and you're going to do what you said you were going to do uh-huh. um, feels maternal to me in a way. Like it feels like it's, it speaks to like the strength and safety of a mother um, mm-hmm. in a way that I find very peaceful. Um mm-hmm. And talking about mending heart, right? Like there is like, like mending hearts, turning lives around, but there's none of, it doesn't um, sort of slip into any of that. Like, cause we're so screwed up. It's like, no, like God's here to heal you, mm-hmm. right? God cares mm-hmm. about your heart and is here to heal you. Yeah. Um, and I find a lot of, I find a lot of peace in it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. I think like, because of this theme of like, here, God is good and you're bad. We got to like savor, savor the songs that, <laughs> that are just about God yes. or about how we can come to God, which is great. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. You're talking about everlasting arms. I was like, maybe we do this like him, like 2.0 version with hymns, but I don't yeah. actually know that many hymns. You don't know about hymns. Mm. But I, I do think like CCM could be a, you know, a good, uh, yeah ccm has got some stuff what we're gonna struggle with there is for me to bring anything that i feel like has positive content um yeah what did you this is like a this is a later conversation i'm curious (laughs) i'm curious like what because you weren't allowed to listen to christian music yet you also know rich mullins yes I learned Rich Mullins later. Uh, um, my roommate, Mr. Levi Martin, um, plays Hard to Get a lot. It's one of his like default uh, um, guitar songs. Uh-huh. And I love it. Uh, my dad likes Rich Mullins, actually, mm. but he doesn't. Um, he just doesn't listen to Christian music at all. He mm-hmm. listens to some like alternative rock Christian music, like mm. like real alternative, like you've never heard of them. Alternative uh-huh. Um so that's a whole thing. There's a song. There's a song that my dad really likes by a band. I'm trying to remember. It's like this guy who has multiple bands. It's either the band is either Daniel Amos or the Swirling Eddies. I don't remember okay. which one. But it's called Hide the Beer. The Pastor's Here, and it's basically about going to Bible college. So, Crispin, oh. you should look it up because it is funny. It's about uh-huh. all of the dumb rules we had to follow going to Bible mm. college, and it, mm-hmm. they do list Multnomah in it because at the end he he sings the names of every single um, Christian university that oh. stu- doesn't let its students drink alcohol. <laughs> that is hilarious and now i'm gonna have to find it out it's a really specific thing so yeah you're welcome hide the beer the pastor's here all right well thanks for talking about worship music and attachment thanks amy cool. okay bye, bye.
This is an area code podcast.